Over the weekend, Presidentish Joe Biden went downstairs to the White House basement to spend a little time in the Mandate Cave. Hey, everybody, I'm Steve Green with Bill Whittle and Scott Ott, and this is Right Angle, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Uh, gentlemen, a very, very small story came out Monday on the ABC News blog. It didn't even get a full write-up, but apparently somebody at ABC News got to see, but not touch, because it's too precious, a White House memo that has not been released to the public yet that is temporarily suspending, at least through the holidays, the federal vaccine mandate on federal employees. Um, the White House, uh, let me see this from the ABC News story. Uh, the White House's Office of Management and Budget is telling federal agencies they should hold off on suspending or firing federal workers for not complying with the vaccine mandate until after the holidays. And this change, which has not yet been publicly announced, comes as President Joe Biden, presidentish Joe Biden, is putting pressure on private employers to embrace their own vaccine mandates. Um you know, they tried pushing this through on everybody through uh, through OSHA, and that that fell apart. Then they tried to uh, force big businesses to comply with the moral suasion from the White House, which is rich coming from this particular White House. Uh, and now the White House is backing off, at least temporarily, on its own mandate. But, uh, Scott, my question for you is, once you've determined that something isn't really that important because we're this close to Christmas, how do you decide that it's suddenly become very important again once the holidays are over? I, I, I think this is the mandate just collapsing. Well, I can see part of it being, you know, hey, we don't want to fire people right before Christmas. You know, what a kind of Ebenezer Scrooge thing to do. On the other hand, we don't want people to get sick and die right before Christmas if you believe that's what might happen to them if they don't get the vaccination. So... <laughs> That would be kind of a bad thing to do. Um, it just one of this one of the aspects of this story is how it it illustrates that government is just way too big. I mean, you can't even issue an edict within the federal government that people have to do something. It's an employer mandate essentially. In in the organization that I work in for my W two job, if there were an employer mandate, like you know, you're not allowed to carry a nine inch knife strapped to your thigh in the workplace. Don't ask how I know that. But anyway, um, the, that would be that would be widely enforced and, and unquestioned and it would take effect. They could say it takes effect tomorrow and it would take effect tomorrow. But with the federal government, it's like so unwieldy. They're not even sure which departments are doing things and which aren't, which employees are in compliance and which aren't. So I just think in any context, mandates are really hard uh, to enforce, um, and it and it does something worse when it's supposedly the the entity that's advancing the idea, the, the government itself, telling us that you know you need to do this, and they can't get themselves to do it. Uh, it it seems it smacks of irony. Uh, it really does, uh, Bill. I went to the White House website trying to find this memo and. It still isn't up. What I found instead was a press release that the White House issued on Thanksgiving, where they were bragging about vaccination rates for all these various agencies. It looked to me like they were setting the stage for this next decision that really there aren't that many people who aren't in compliance. So it's not a big deal. And they said on average that 92 uh, percent of federal employers or employees are uh, are are vaccinated. And it's 87 percent at this agency and 99 percent at that agency. But apparently really, really high vaccination rates. There's just one problem. The mandate requires you be fully vaccinated, getting 
both shots. What they're publishing are the figures for people who have received at least one shot. And hmm. if the federal government is anything like the rest of America, I know, perish the thought, uh, they probably have a vaccination rate of probably only about 80 percent. Um, do you think the White House is doing this out of panic that 20 percent of the federal workforce might not be able to show up for work if they actually did this thing? Yes, that's the problem, obviously. And they're already going to be facing shelves that are empty at Christmas, and that's not going to wear well, and that's just going to get worse in the next three weeks or so. Um, but the bigger issue is why is all of this going on? And uh, I'm not even talking about having a, a fundamental biological background in science. Now, I'm just talking about anybody who can who can add two numbers together and just fundamental common sense. Uh, after he won the recall uh, election, Gavin Newsom announced shortly after, within a day or two, that two or three weeks from then, there was going you're going to have to have a vaccine passport to go to a restaurant in Los yeah. Angeles. That this was an absolute top-level emergency, couldn't wait another second. But it managed to wait during the entire time that the recall campaign was going on, while presumably, according to that logic, people are dying uh, out in the street. And Gavin Newsom is not enforcing this vitally needed vaccine passport because he's up for re-election. But the second that that was safely over, then it's put in place. That not only doesn't make any scientific sense, it doesn't make any sense. I'll give you an idea of the situation right now in California, at least prior to this this vaccine mandate, you have to wear a mask when you go into the restaurant, then you can sit down and you can take your mask off. You can have your mask off while you're eating, but you have to put it back on to leave the restaurant. This is because the COVID-19 uh, uh, vaccine is extremely sophisticated and it hovers around the entrances and exits to the building because it knows that's where you'll be most vulnerable. Once you're sitting down, it understands that you're essentially no longer a target. Now, when you, when you, you, you can laugh at that, but when you, when you look at it, from a, from a purely objective viewpoint, you realize that there's something here that doesn't make any sense at all, that, that this is just about the ability to issue mandates. I remember when I was a, a young, I was 13 or 14, I went to a dry county in Tennessee and they explained to me, I was too young to drink anyway, no skin off my nose. They explained to me that you were not allowed to drink alcohol in this county. So we went out to a restaurant and at the restaurant, here were the rules. The restaurant could not sell you alcohol. You could bring your own bottle into the restaurant and make your own alcoholic drinks, but the bottle could not rest on the table. The bottle had to be kept on the floor. And when I heard that, I realized to myself, what is actually going on here? Do you believe that alcohol use in your county causes all of these problems? And if you do, then ban alcohol. If you don't, then don't. But this business of well, you cannot drink on a table sitting down, but you can drink on a bar standing up. It's what, I don't have to tell you this, Steve, of all people in the world who knows this. The reason that a bar was a bar was that you could only drink until you fell down. That's why you would have to stand at a bar because you could only get so drunk before you, before you hit the floor. But what, but this is exactly like that, that dry county law. Is it a dry county? Yes or no. And if you've got this kind of, this ledger domain kind of juggling thing to have it both ways, then there's something fundamentally wrong here fundamentally wrong. Uh, just speaking for myself, I've been, uh, vaccines have saved billions of people's lives and I have never hesitated to take a vaccine because I know how a vaccine works. You introduce a, a weakened or deadened form of the, of the antigen into your bloodstream. In the case of tetanus, it's just a protein. It goes into your bloodstream, your body recognizes it, produces antibodies. You maintain these antibody protections generally for most of your life. That's how you beat smallpox. That's how you beat yellow fever. That's how you beat all these things. These vaccines don't do that. These vaccines 
cause your body to create spike proteins and then produce, presumably, produce antibodies against that. That's never been done before. This kind of RNA type of, of medicine is extremely experimental. And people in, the, the seems to me that the people who are most resistant to take it as a group are healthcare professionals. Now, if that doesn't, if you don't find that at least an interesting data point, then, then okay. But, but to, this assumption that there's something like like the people who are who are, have questions about this vaccine are, are just plain insane and, and, and believe in black magic and waving feathers, you know, no, this is experimental. This is experimental medical technology that's being deployed on a scale that is unparalleled in the world. And people who understand how this thing works have legitimate, serious questions about these issues. And the fact that these questions are not only not being answered, they're not even allowed to be asked. Undoubtedly, this, this, this episode will be, will be pulled from YouTube. <laughs> we'll run it on what in does uh, that rubble, yeah. What does that tell you, right? What does that tell you? I have never, ever tried to shut down opposition to the beliefs that I, to, to people who oppose the beliefs that I have, because I think they're defensible beliefs. And if they've got a better argument, I'll change my mind. But, but this is the thing that no one's talking about. If this mandate is so absolutely essential that it has to be done, but we're going to postpone it till after Christmas, then what does that tell you about the actual efficacy of it and the actual need? And what does it tell you about the fact that if Florida is the state that has the has the, the, the no mask mandate and no vaccination requirements, has the lowest COVID infection rate in the country? That's data, Steve. It's actual factual data. And it runs contrary to this entire narrative. And, and, and I don't blame people for being suspicious about all of this. In fact, I, I'm, I'm, I find it astonishing that people aren't. Yeah. Uh, about the Florida thing, the, the coronavirus, it's a, it's a flu-like virus. It is seasonal. And so it hit the southern states during the during the warmer months and it's moving up to the northern and the western states during the cooler months. And it doesn't matter if you've got the mask mandate or not. In the end, <coughs> pardon me, everybody is going to get COVID. It's gone from Except, pandemic to endemic, and it's yes. here to stay. We can't Except, keep shutting everything down. That's all exactly true. That's absolutely true. Except that on a, a, a map I used on, a, on the Moving Back to America I did this morning, you will see a map of COVID cases in the U.S. And, and where light blue is the smallest number of cases. And the light blue is the Florida border. And I lived in Florida. It is a dividing line between Florida and Georgia, between Florida and Alabama. It is, it's not, it's not a, a, a grayed out kind of a thing. It is, it is a political boundary. We'll, I'll put the, I'll put the graph up here in, in this show yeah. so you can see it. This is data. And, and I'm just awfully tired of being told that I'm some kind of anti-science savage because I'm not simply agreeing with Dr. Fauci, who represents science. He is, in fact, science. It's personified. <laughs> science TM. Yeah, yes. Not only is science about asking questions, but so is Americanism. So is freedom. And, and the harder these people push without providing any answers to any of these things, the more alarmed and suspicious I become. And I'm not the only one. Indeed. You know, uh, folks, Bill talked about the uh, the silly places where uh, the dry counties, so-called dry counties, where liquor is not legal except under these sort of certain under the table, literally conditions. Um, but there is another kind of uh, 
silliness that sometimes we have to do in a, in a similar situation that I think is much better. Uh, years ago, my best friend David was uh, the maitre d' at a brand new restaurant that didn't yet have its liquor license. So I hadn't gone in yet to have dinner there. <laughs> and he was badgering me. And I'm like, fine, fine. I was seeing this this lovely young lady. I'll bring her in for dinner. And David sits us down. And the first thing he asked me is if I would like a cup of tea. And I said, no, no, I just just bring me a water or a soda or something. He said, no, 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 this is very good tea. It's 12 years old. Oh, well, <laughs> I would love a cup of tea. And sure enough, it was a, a very nice scotch served in a teacup. And the reason I bring this up is the only silly rule was that a nice restaurant would need some kind of permission from the state to sell wine with dinner or scotch before dinner. And so... We resisted. We just ignored the stupid regulation as best we could and got on with our meals and our lives. And that's what's going on here. Resistance to the mandate is growing. And now that the White House has caved on its own mandate, even if they're saying it's temporary, I don't know how they bring this back in the new year. And something like that, well, just makes me want to cheer. Let's go, Brandon. Brandon.